and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 34th episode of the podcast for the week of December 31st, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic, and this week I am so happy to welcome back her second appearance on my podcast, uh, San Diego-based professional astrologer, author, lecturer, and all-around awesome Leoness, Leo Lioness, <laughs> April Elliott Kent, uh, to... Join me in a discussion on the astrology of 2019. Since it has arrived, we are there, so why not talk about it? But before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work, you can get early Sunday access for only a dollar a month on Patreon, and there's other uh, tiers to help support this podcast as well with different offerings. So if you want to check that out, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, before we get started here, I am glad to be back. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday um, while I was off the air and we were all doing our uh, holiday type of things. I know I had a great one, so I hope that you did too. And I hope everyone is uh, looking forward to this new year. So I just want to say first and foremost, Happy New Year to everyone. All right, so let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in her waning cycle and is in the fixed waters of Scorpio. She hangs out in these emotional realms until moving into the mutable fires of Sagittarius on Wednesday, where she'll have moments of philosophical understanding as Luna wanes down to a silver crescent as we head to this weekend's solar eclipse. Yet before she reaches that conjunction, she will glide into the decisive cardinal Earth energy of Capricorn on Friday. Then she'll conjunct the sun, which is our new moon solar eclipse, the following day on Saturday, and then basically hang out in this practical Earth energy for the remainder of the weekend. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it is quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. 
Well, as I just said earlier, Happy New Year to everyone. We are welcoming in 2019 in a big way as the sun meets Saturn on New Year's Day and a solar eclipse in Capricorn opens a portal of change on the tangible realm. We are likely to be getting serious about our goals and ambitions in life, making this a stronger year than most to put in those New Year resolutions. Uranus also stations to initiate a few-month period of all planets in direct motion, while also setting up conditions for the unexpected to arise. So let us not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Scorpio, and she will make a sextile to the sun and Saturn and then a trine to Neptune. It is also New Year's Eve on Monday. Um, So what's going on? Because that's a day that we like to celebrate, right? For the most part. Um, So of note, we have Mars, who is moving into Aries on Monday, uh, which is the sign of one of the signs of his domicile. And so we can really say, hello, Mars. Uh, because after Mars has been dancing around in Aquarius for a good portion of 2018 with that retrograde movement that we experienced, and then doing a tour through the watery depths of Pisces for the latter half of 2018, well, not the half, but, you know, <laughs> last uh, month or so, um, our warrior energy, which is what Mars represents, is finding himself crossing that dynamic Aries point and into the sign of his daytime domicile. So it's like all the fire has come back into his blood and our action energy is going to get quite the kick. Yet be aware that everyone's will. So the go with the spiritual flow that was the signature of Pisces now changes into a very self-oriented drive that may say my way or the highway. And so the fight within us and outside in the world is getting ramped up, and we are more inclined to be assertive and ready to go after what it is we desire in life. We are out to battle for ourselves, and that can be used in a very constructive, progressive, and life-changing sort of way. Or it can take a turn towards rashness and selfish agendas that are based off of egoic needs, you know— that kind of stuff. And we are all, you know, we're none of us are exempt from feeling those things or acting on those things sometime. But, you know, I, for one, am ready to use this energy quite positively as, you know, our lifeblood is pumping again here. Uh, is, and let's make use of it, particularly for us that are Aries and Scorpio risings, because having Mars as the ruler of your chart, um, this is really going to give a kick uh, with that planet being in its domicile. Yet, you know, we do have to be aware that we still have to live and work within the world with others. And Aries uh, isn't so great at that all the time. Um, so get get your Libra, get some Libra access in there while we have the Mars and Aries. But overall, I think that this is going to be a wonderful transit to really get things moving. And so the bottom line for Monday is, is that we are likely to feel the ending of this year in an emotional way as the Scorpio moon helps us transition into what is next. With Luna in a sextile to both the Sun and Saturn, we can feel positive about the changes taking place and being able to take responsibility for our lives. The evening trying to Neptune will give inspiration for what is to come while also letting what has been slip away. I will say, though, with Mars on the Aries point, the Sun approaching an exact conjunction with Saturn, and Neptune trining into a Scorpio moon on New Year's Eve night, 
just be careful out there. You know, take your time on the roads, or better yet, arrange safe transportation for yourself, especially if you're out there celebrating the new year. And if you do like to celebrate with intoxicants, uh, which no judgment here, I like a little bit of that myself from time to time, just try to do it in moderation because chances are you might be hurting a little bit tomorrow. So just a heads up there. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Scorpio still, and we'll make an early morning sextile with Pluto, and then a conjunction to Venus during the day. Uh, And of course, this is New Year's Day, so this is our first day of 2019, and we are blessed with the sun making a conjunction with Saturn. Now, I don't know if everyone you'd use the term uh, blessed (laughs) when these two meet, but being a very Saturnian personality myself in many ways, um, I can see the blessings that Saturn has to bring if we are willing to do the work uh, in the discipline necessary. So what does that mean when Sun conjuncts Saturn? Well, you know, any type of conjunction, we are starting a new cycle. The energies are merging and becoming one together. Um, And because this is a Sun cycle, this is basically a yearly conjunction that takes place. And so the sun, our life force, our vitality, uh, what we are consciously aware of um, and where we are likely turning a page in life, because when we become aware, things change, right? Um, Well, we are merging with Saturn, which Saturn is about uh, disciplining ourselves or or constricting or pulling back um, so that we can create structure and planning and organize um, our lives. And, and have that self-authority that can uh, say maybe when enough is enough or to set certain boundaries or uh, procedures or systems in place. And so along with Mars and Aries, you know, I think this is quite a way to start off the new year. Like that's kind of like a poop poop. Okay, we're ready. We're here. <laughs> so, you know, I have a feeling our list of New Year's resolutions will be on the ambitious and potentially serious side this year as we set ourselves up to embark more on more long-term endeavors that will bring success down the road because Saturn is looking at the long term. It can uh it can not have today so that it can build uh and have more for tomorrow. Um, So we may be driven to build something or come up with a plan that we can put our energy into. As we consciously organize our goals, there is usually a consolidation factor that comes into play as we constrict or pull back in areas that aren't a priority or a focus any longer. We must keep in mind, though, the nature of Saturn and Capricorn, for at times these energies can bring for negativity or a depressive vibe especially if we feel we lack or don't measure up in a particular way. So if you feel down at all, remember it is within your control to take responsibility of your life and direct it in the manner you choose. So this can be a wonderful planning influence, you know, so let's get this new year started off on the right foot. So even if you're not a person that makes New Year's resolutions, I'm going to say today, today, well, on Tuesday, um, for this New Year's, it would be uh, a great idea to make a list. All right, so the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that we wake up with the spirit of regeneration in the air as an early morning sextile to Pluto ushers in a new year. We are likely to feel pretty good with Luna in a conjunction with Venus, as opening up to transition will be the key to initiating a fresh start for 2019. 
especially with Venus in Scorpio still, you know, we are, she can sit in those two realms and is ready for that rebirth. And the sun meeting Saturn may feel heavy for some, you know, we have to keep that in mind. Yet I really think this is an opportunity to feel good about getting real while also boosting your own authority to take control of your life. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Sagittarius uh, and will make a trine to Mars, which I was just saying is now freshly in Aries. And so we don't have any uh, other planetary aspects uh, exacting that day. So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that the fires are burning as Luna moves into the optimism of Sagittarius and trines a freshly ingressed Mars and Aries. We are likely to feel rather inspired to get going at this time, even if we are just in the conceptual stage of our New Year plans. Our intuitive faculties are flowing, particularly when we are in motion. So this can be a great day to move the body and work off some steam. So if you're starting a New Year's exercise regimen, which is very common for a lot of people at the beginning of the year, this is a great day, you know, to get going, to give it a try, move that body. Yet watch for going overboard, as today we may not know quite where the limit is, especially if you haven't exercised in a long time. And I just experienced that recently for myself. Um, so just be aware of that because Sagittarius can go overboard, Mars is in Aries and ready to go. And then, you know, we'll feel the Saturn and the Capricorn energy in a couple days. But ultimately there is a restlessness in the air and we are ready to roll with that moon in Sag. Now, on Thursday, the moon is still in Sagittarius. We'll make a super early conjunction to Jupiter uh, and also an early square to Neptune. And also of note, we have Mercury, who's making a trine to Uranus, who is retrograde, but is currently slowing down to station. So Uranus is rather strong right now. And so uh, what are these two together? You know, what what is this trine giving us? Well, a trine is... Uh, an aspect that allows just rapid development. Things are flowing. Things can happen very suddenly. There's no obstacles in the way. The energy is just moving. And so Mercury, Mercury is our perception, what we, how we learn things, you know, information that comes in, calls, emails, texts, um, even transactions. It, but ultimately, there's a communication taking place, whether it's with another person or in our own minds. Uh, and Uranus is the planet of fast and unexpected change, where we have a turnaround or an awakening of some sort, or we feel that we want to liberate uh, from some sort of influence. And it can be a very intuitive time of when Uranus meets, especially with Mercury. And so with Mercury now taking the place of where the sun was right before our solstice, because keep in mind, the sun has already made this trine to Uranus, we are likely to find inspiration in this week with progressive viewpoints and life solutions coming into view. With Uranus also stationing in just a few days, right after our solar eclipse, this awakening influence is particularly strong and it is quite possible to receive a message that brings in a whole new way of viewing one or several situations in our lives. This can bring unexpected news of change coming, and with the trine, it's unlikely to stop it, so do what you can to go with the flow. Most likely, what we learn or hear will bring a form of liberation, freedom through heightened understanding, 
especially with that moon in Sagittarius right now. So if you have ideas come to you in a flash, be sure to get them down on paper to refer back later, as this can be a highly intuitive and creative time where information just downloads in, so we want to be prepared. Our viewpoints are opening to a new way of seeing the bigger picture, so look for inspiration in what is foreign to you. It might be just what you didn't think you were looking for. Because sometimes that's the thing. Uranus likes to surprise. (laughs) So the bottom line for Thursday is, is that dreams may permeate with that early morning contact in Neptune. So be sure to write those down as they come as well, because they can be packed with insights in this currently, in this current celestial climate. We're also feeling the Neptunian vibe as the sun approaches a sextile with Neptune, um, which is taking place uh, here tomorrow on Friday. Um, And the moon is receding in light as we head towards that eclipse as well. So it's a more introspective time right before the new moon. And we can learn a lot uh, via that introspection and doing that spiritual work, particularly as Mercury trines Uranus. So we are going to want to make some time for that. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Sagittarius, but will move into Capricorn uh, around mid-morning here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will trine Uranus, conjunct Mercury, and then make a square to Mars. And so we have a couple things going on on Friday, because this is a busy week, people. (laughs) Well, we have the sun making a sextile to Neptune, um, and we also have Mercury moving into Capricorn. And so let's talk about that sun sextile to Neptune first. So once again, you know, uh, the sun is that life force, our vitality. We were becoming aware of something or turning a page. Um, and a sextile is kind of like a trine and it's, it's flowing opportunity. But, you know, it's a door that opens and it, it creates opportunity, but we must take it. It just doesn't rapidly happen like a trine. We, there has to be a little effort there. And so where do we have this opportunity for awareness? Well, with Neptune. And Neptune is uh, a planet on the high side that can bring great spiritual inspiration to us, uh, where it's as if spirit is whispering in our ear. But it can also bring uh, confusion or loss our way or something dissolves as as Neptune knows no boundaries. Um, So there could be an influence that is dissolving from our life at this time as well. And so the the sun contacting Neptune will add more inspiration and spiritual connection to that Mercury-Uranus trine that I was uh, just talking about, because they're basically taking place at the same time. We are tuned in in many ways and have the opportunity to see beneath the veil. As Neptune can be associated with the dissolution of something or a loss, which I just spoke of uh, a minute ago, this may be what is needed at this time as well. Because if we responsibly sacrifice something that can no longer be held on to, because sometimes, you know, it is what it is. Uh, And so this aspect can give us the opportunity to do so. Uh, It can also bring a creative awakening influence, as if the muse is dancing in and out of our conscious awareness right now. So look for all things mystical to pop up. We may also feel more inclined to help others at this time because Neptune can bring a charitable influence when it is used positively. 
And with the moon in its balsamic phase and approaching the new moon eclipse uh, here, which will happen on Saturday, this aspect will likely add to that already introspective and potentially dreamy energy that is circling about. So take a moment for reflection as it can be rather illuminating at this time. So basically, the end of the week here, we are looking at a lot of reflective time, um, which can be very positive to set up the year ahead here. Now, Mercury moving into Capricorn, uh, where the mind has been moving through more of an expansive and inspirational territory for the last few months as we've experienced Mercury retrograde in and out of Sagittarius, because that was a strong uh, retrograde season, I believe, or at least I thought so. Now the messenger will now move into, uh, it's going to move out of that big picture view that Sagittarius brought to us and into the more practicalities of it all because Capricorn is the pragmatic influence. So we can now benefit from the disciplining of our mental processes, as well as dealing with more tangible matters like business transactions, creating and sticking to a budget. A lot of times that can be on our New Year's list. Uh, Tackling larger work projects, which could also be on our list. Or really anything that needs a pragmatic scope of view in order to TCB, which is take care of business. That should be Capricorn's motto. (laughs) Maybe I should get a tattoo. So this messenger will likely want a tighter ship than the than the messenger energy that we were just in. So get ready for your headspace to contract in a way that allows focus to be put into the logistics of manifestation, while also providing the energy to initiate communication in those realms, because Mercury is what gets the word out there. And so your mind will be on your goals and ambitions during this time. So make good use of it to basically get all those ducks in a row. Because Mercury will be flying pretty fast at this time and will be in Capricorn until January 23rd. So we only have uh, about three weeks of this influence. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that we may arrive at a bright point or an idea early on in the day as Luna lights up that Mercury-Uranus trine that I spoke of for Thursday. Uh, and this may feel like a rather dreamy day at first until the moon in Capricorn kind of brings us back down to Earth. Um, and once we are in this ambitious realm, we can do the inner work necessary to emotionally align with our goals and ambitions for what is to come. And we can feel the tension from Luna's square to Mars that is prodding us to get started. Yet don't jump the gun too soon, though, as now is the time to plot and organize our plan of action. Now, on Saturday, it is officially our solar eclipse, new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn. Um, And so Luna will be in Capricorn all day, and she'll make a a conjunction to Saturn and a sextile to Neptune before she meets the sun in the solar eclipse. Uh, And so a solar eclipse is happening at 15 degrees and 25 minutes of Capricorn and will be taking place uh, at 5.28 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast, uh, which will be 8.28 p.m. if you're on the East Coast. And so... Well, I think you can take most of what I'm saying here with the transits this week um, as they apply that energy to this new moon solar eclipse that is taking place in Capricorn, because much of what I've already talked about here is part of the energy that is is in this uh, chart. 
And so April and I will be chatting about this eclipse as well as the others in 2019 later in the program. So I won't go into too much detail about it here, but I will say that as a cardinal earth energy and eclipse energy to boot, we are opening the door to new structures and tangible change in our lives and quite possibly our societal structure in general. Our strategy will be on the long term and is likely to be shaped by that quaking of the Uranus energy, particularly with Uranus stationing just after the eclipse. We may feel the hibernation of winter, yet we are also in the midst of an initiation of new forms of a material manifestation, with the likelihood of our seeds showing sprouts this summer. Because sometimes that eclipse energy can take a bit longer to manifest. So to find out more about this solar eclipse, you can read my full write-up about um, all the aspects, what I think about, you know, the energy, the Sabian symbol that is associated with lunation. I write all about this on my astro blog at energeticprinciples.com. And so if you would like to read that, I suggest you uh, signing up for my uh, mailing list, uh, which is at the bottom of the front page on my website, because that way, the second that it goes up, I send out a little MailChimp post. Um, with the link to it uh, so that you can access it as soon as it goes up. So once again, that is on the front page of uh, energeticprinciples.com right at the bottom. And you can also consider signing up for my moon horoscopes on Patreon. That is one of my options for $3 a month. You basically get two moon horoscopes um, that you that is aligned with the new and full moon each month, and uh, also your sun. You can read your sun and rising sign, and so it's just an easy way to support the podcast for a low dollar amount uh, while getting something out of it as well. So I hope those that are signed up are enjoying those horoscopes. So the bottom line for Saturday is there's likely to be a seriousness to the air um, and the, the day in general as we feel new conditions arising as a portal opens to begin the initiation of tangible change in our lives. We're likely to be focused on safety and security in the outer world and the hard work it is going to take to realize these plans that are currently just a vision. With Capricorn being a receptive energy, I would suggest taking this day easy so that you are in a space that allows you to take in and understand what it is that is trying to birth. By allowing for this hermit time, you'll be able to move forward with a brighter lantern to help guide the way. Now, on Sunday, uh, we have the moon in Capricorn, and she will move to Aquarius very late in the day. And along the way, she'll make an early morning conjunction to Pluto, a square to Uranus, and then a sextile to Venus. Uh, And of note, we have Uranus officially stationing direct at 28 degrees of Aries on Sunday. And so the Great Awakener is finally stationing for direct movement. Where we have been dealing with a lot of internal changes and shaking things up from the inside out, now that quake-like influence turns its attention to the outer realm. Just in time for our eclipse season and the upcoming sun square to Uranus, which is just around the corner. With this station, all planets are now direct, which means life is going to be moving along at a rather industrious speed. Not at all like what we have experienced over the last half of 2018. Our stories are shifting in big ways, and there is likely to be some nervous tension and restless energy that comes along with this station and the next few weeks to come. 
With this change in motion, Uranus will start to break further away from that T-square with the nodes that it's currently in, and it's been in for some months now, um, which has also been contributing to extremes, changes, and disruptions in the collective sphere and within our own selves. So get ready to shake things up or to be shook, because that's the thing with Uranus. Either you can wait for it to come to you or you can do the shaking yourself. Uh, And particularly if you have planets in the last five degrees of cardinal signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, you're more likely to feel this station the most because that means you're in a, a harder Uranus transit. Uh, And also watch for the world sphere, uh, as these few days before and after the station will most likely be very lively, particularly with the solar eclipse in Capricorn and Mars now in Aries. Um, And with Uranus, you know, these are, it's going to make its final ingress into Taurus. And so it will remain in direct motion until August 11th. So this is the last hurrah here in Aries. Um, And a little spoiler alert, Jupiter and Uranus will both station that day on August 11th this summer. So you can expect that to be a hot spot as well, particularly if your birthday is uh, August 10th, 11th, or 12th. Um, That's going to be very pivotal in your solar return chart this year. So Sunday, bottom line, this is a heavy Uranus day with both Uranus stationing and Luna making a square from the tail end of Capricorn because the moon is lighting this up. You know, Uh, so life is quaking and our vibrations are rising because Uranus wants to rise us up, even though that can be a little disconcerting at times. So you can expect the unexpected today. Yet in a, it's in reality, it's quite possible to uh, embody this advice really for the latter half of this week. Um, because it's just not going to be this pinpoint moment. We're going to be feeling it this whole half uh, end of the week and probably early on into the next week. Uh, But luckily, Luna will make a sextile to Venus to help open us up to that harmony that comes from needed change. You know, sometimes change is what is needed. Uh, And when the moon moves into Aquarius later in the evening, we can detach a bit and align intellectually with the desire for freedom and progress in our lives. So I know that was a lot. This is a very, uh, this is a hefty week, I have to say. Um... And it's quite a way to start off the new year, you know, to wrap it up here. So uh, we're basically getting serious about taking control of our lives and are offered an eclipse door to walk through in order to do so. If the prospects that lie ahead seem hard, just remember that Saturn always rewards our disciplined efforts in the end. So now let's take a quick look at the cards because they always add an extra dimension to what is going on here. And so this week I drew the Five of Cups as the focus and the King of Wands as a grounding. And with the Five of Cups as the focus, this can be a rather tricky card to deal with as it signifies going through some sort of loss in life, particularly in an emotional or relational one. With this being eclipse season and taking place in cardinal signs, along with Mars there as well, it could very well be that we suffer the loss of things we once loved. Sometimes that is, that is taken away from us by a person's affections leaving or the unfortunate yet inevitability of death. Yet it is also quite possible that we sacrifice something at this time in order to gain another thing that is greater than what we once had. Yet it can be hard to see that when you are in the thick of it. 
So the message with this card is that even though three cups are spilled over, there are two still remaining for you to work with, and those upright cups would serve your focus best at this time. Now, with the King of Wands as the grounding, and with this particular king being rather focused on goals, ambitions, and that which is his personal inspiration, we may either find loss within these enterprises, or it could be that we make an emotional sacrifice of some sort uh, in order to pursue this calling. Regardless of which, the king is known for his honesty, trustworthiness, and independent direction. He sends the message this week that we are here to live and experience life to the fullest, and that can encompass the highs and the lows. So ground yourself in your own truth this week and manage your life from that vantage point. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the antelope. This hoofed creature is calling upon us to be decisive this week. It's time to make a decision about something in our lives, or a few things, and take the appropriate actions necessary in order to carry that direction further. This is not a time of hesitation, particularly as the sun meets Saturn, and we have a very decisive Capricorn eclipse. Capricorn is quite the decision maker, after all. It's now time to take spirit's call and your own instinctual feelings and put those nudgings into action. These two paired together make up your intuition, and if you follow those inclinations, you'll be headed in the right direction. No need to second-guess or doubt what you feel called to decide, because now is the time to trust that the outcome has your best interests in mind. Now, if you would like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how that works for you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, This is my highest tier at $6 a month, but what I do is I create custom card spreads for you to uh, partake in each week that is centered around my astrological reports here. And so this allows you to draw uh, cards that are going to be personalized to you within these transits. I also focus on a crystal and an inspirational quote for the week, and it's just a nice way to start off the week with a little bit of perspective. And so last week, we worked on reason and balance, and this week, we will be working on manifesting the new. So if you want to check out more about that or to see a freebie spread, uh, go on down to patreon.com backslash energetic principles, and you can find out more there. All right, now let's meet our guest. All right. Well, I am so happy to be back with my first special guest of the new year, April Elliott Kent. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Delight. Yeah, to be the first. My elevated Mars loves that. Of course it does. And your Leo son is okay with that. A little bit too. <laughs> just wants to be the best. Yes. Oh, yes. He doesn't necessarily have to be first, just be the best. <laughs> I love right. it. Right. That's great. Um, well, you know, as we have Mars ingressing into Aries this week, you know, we're all going to want to be first to some extent here. So. Yeah. Good luck with that, right? Yeah. We're all <laughs> going to be doing it together. Well, I'm so happy to have you here as we talk about the topic of the astrology of 2019. We're going to give a quick little rundown of kind of what's going on. Um, as far as a bigger picture of the year, which is perfect for to bring on a Sag rising, such as April. <laughs> um, but before we get started here, let uh, April, will you tell a little bit about yourself uh, for people who don't know who you are and they should? Sure. 
Sure. I'm, I am April Elliott Kent. I've uh, had my website, bigskyastrology.com, for low these many years. I think I'm going on, I think I'm going on 19 or 20 years. Nice. Year. Yeah, it's really, you know, to talk about Saturn and Capricorn, it was just really stick in there, you know. And so, yeah, so that's my going concern. And I'm the author of three books, including um, The Essential Guide to Practical Astrology and uh, Astrological Transits. And do a lot of work with eclipses, which we'll be talking about today, yes. and relationship astrology, and a lecturer, and a teacher, and all of those good things. Yes. I've been an astrologer for, I think, 20, 25 years, 26, no, wait, when was that? It was 1990, I started. I know, I was going to say, keep yes. going. <laughs> oh my God, 28 years or something. Yeah, 29, we're on 29 this summer. Yeah, I left uh, just after my Saturn return. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that. So your your second Saturn return is your own Saturn return of your business. (laughs) Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. And just uh, so people know, I will, you know, I always post things in my blog posts, but I will have links to April's books because they're fabulous, especially if you are just starting out in astrology. Uh, She has a way with words that will make it fun to learn this type of thing. type of thing you know it won't be it lightens it up and makes it fun to learn so thank you that was that was the intent so I'm glad to hear that I hit the mark you did you did your fire sign energy has has done what it needed to so oh my gosh April where do we even start with 2019 (laughs) well just when you think you've gone through a year that nothing can top then you start looking at another one and it's really it's the Saturn Pluto thing isn't it that's what's staring us all in the face Yes. And all astrologers are talking about it. And to the extent that I know there are other things here that you want to talk about today, and we will, but it's so hard to get past that. It's like, it's the, the, you know, 300, you know, 3000 pound elephant in the middle of the room. Um, so that's the thing that's dominating my consciousness. And we were talking before, as I had my Saturn return, uh, just around the time these two come together or just after it at the beginning of 2020. So obviously I'm looking at it from a fairly personal point of view, but yeah. <laughs> All of us are really looking at that and thinking, especially people with with things in cardinal signs in their chart, their sun, their moon, their ascendant. As I know a certain person, uh, who, what? Yeah. (laughs) Oh yes, Yes. we are. We are a part of it, and I think you're absolutely right. Because even though those conjunctions are happening uh, technically in 2020, oh, it's happening in 2019. It was happening in 2018. The second. Uh, Saturn moved into Capricorn basically was initiating this journey towards this conjunction, I think. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Um, I really start to feel it. And that's where I can see the value of people using whole sign house system so much because in electional astrology, we always would use whole sign um, aspects. So the minute the planet moves into the sign where it will eventually make the aspect, you you honor the fact that that energy is in play. It's like it's come into or. And I really agree with you. As soon as Saturn went into Capricorn, there was a big shift and we started moving in, in this direction. And now with the lunar nodes moving into those signs and tying in with that. Yes, that is a big, big key piece to it. And I think that um, really our eclipses this year, which I'm so excited to talk to you about, because that's one of your fortes, is, you know, that that's really setting things up for this uh, grand conjunction to happen. Um, because we were talking about earlier how those eclipses are kind of those portholes that are 
portholes, <laughs> portals that are in. <laughs> well, you have holes, but that's enough to take. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, that can bring things in and out of, um, you know, play in the world, you know. We we went on a morbid subject of death. Oh, for a we long certainly time. did, but I mean, this is Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn. You know, it's really hard to. It's like you want to honor it with seriousness, while at the same time, you know, I think our saving grace is Jupiter being in Sagittarius, and um, it will meet up eventually with Saturn and Pluto, and it's kind of like. Um, a little philosophical coda, you know, to this um, this rather scary anthem, you know, of Saturn Pluto. So I think Jupiter coming along first, going through Sag, is sort of playing the Falstaff role, you know, like um, in Shakespeare's plays and being the comic relief and helping us just kind of, well, it's okay, just get drunk and, you know, talk about philosophy late into the evening. So at least we can do that because. You kind of have to, because otherwise the Saturn-Pluto realities are quite grim. Mm. And um, there are bright spots, I think. And, you know, I I know we've talked about before. I don't know if we talked about it last time I was on your podcast, but that I have just been completely absent from the news. I'm just blocked out of all of it. It It's just I'm one of those, I'm still voting. I'm still doing all the stuff you have to do, but it's a little overwhelming. And, uh, and very harsh. But what is sort of sneaking in around the edges is a sense of, well, at least people are, you know, employment is a little more plentiful than it was. May not be the kinds of jobs and money that people want, but at least that's sneaking in. Uh, so that's hopefully a good thing. Um, so, you know, we can only hope that <laughs> yeah, Jupiter in Sagittarius is going to light the way a little bit with some little spots of light. Yeah. (laughs) That is a good point because we need something. (laughs) We need it because it can be rather, it it can be a bit much. Saturn can be a bit much. The fact is meaning Pluto is definitely a bit much. (laughs) And And Capricorn Capricorn. (laughs) doesn't tend to see the bright side of things. So Jupiter at least helps us um, provide a, a, provides a philosophical context, I think. For things, mm. you know, to where we can say, okay, this is the, in many ways as bad as I've seen it in my life, but there's always something, you know, there's, there's something about Sagittarius, I think, that always wants to see how the story ends up. So at least we have that. It's like that curiosity of like, well, let's just stick to the very end, you know, because maybe something really exciting happens. Mm. Well, and that makes a lot of sense because Sagittarius um, and Jupiter being there is essentially about the journey of it all or the experience Mm -hmm. and what we can learn from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, (laughs) I do like that kind of lighten things up a little bit or at least allow us to... Because you can't stay in that dark space or that negative space for too long because that will just eat you alive, basically, and everyone around you. Um, so I, I get not... Uh, I can totally see why you might pull back from the news, especially with someone who has, you know, Sagittarius. You're more, you might be more likely to be, like, fired up about it, you know, like what you see out there, perhaps. Do you think you're more prone to... Oh, gosh, yes. And I mean, honestly, honestly, I was struggling with some blood pressure issues. <laughs> I kind of have topped out of this because I, I, honestly, I don't think it's good for me physically. And I can't speak for everybody. And that's my personal issue with it. But, 
yeah, I get so fired up about it. Um, mm. so it. It sort of burns up the energy of my life. All of my oxygen can go towards that stuff. Um, well, so. you know, what's interesting about that, April, though, too, with now that we have, because uh, one of the big factors of this year is the fact that we have the North Node in Cancer now and the South Node in uh, Capricorn, which is going to be really ramping up this Saturn-Pluto conjunction. But as you were just saying with your your blood pressure and having to... like. You literally nurtured yourself and what yourself needed in that moment by pulling away from that influence. And I think that's a lot of what this, the personal side of this Cancer North Node has to do with. You know, what does the self need in order to get through uh, what can be a, an emotional <laughs> time, especially in the world uh, where, where, you know, the, the softer parts of us are not taken into account by, you know, what runs the whole thing. And that's where, that's a lot of what's coming up, I think, this year, and we've been slowly getting there, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's a good connection to make, because Saturn, you know, the, the Capricorn influence at the South Node says there's the time to, there goes to, there's time to be tough. There's a time to, uh, to really pull yourself up by your bootstraps and to really um, accept uh, responsibility for you personally making your life what you want it to be and what you want the world to be. But there is, I think with the North node going through cancer, the implication there that it's like, yeah, you've done that. You know, you, you know, you've gone through a time where you've been doing that and now it's time to reach towards something a little softer, um, a little gentler, a little more, a little more nurturing. And I think too, that it's the sense of, you know, I, I think the Saturn with the, the Capricorn South Node suggests um, that there has been a time when people have looked to institutions to make them safe and to take care of them. And that this is like saying, well, no, we have some things in place. Let's hope we keep the most essential ones there. But really what you need to be reaching towards perhaps is taking care of each other. I mean, on a really direct personal level trying to be kinder with each other and, and look at who around you personally needs help mm. and trying to provide that help and that comfort. Yeah. And well, and it's, it's a great point because I mean, that's, that's where the nourishment starts. I mean, cancer is that representative of the, you know, the close family, not the family of the collective, which we all are, but that, you know, how we can, and, and it's not just family, it's, it's our neighbors. It's the people that we interact with on a, a, a pretty often basis. And that can even just the taking the time to listen to someone, uh, because I think that's a lot of what this year might be about, especially with Jupiter and Sagittarius is, um, as we get closer to this conjunction, is the fact that people just aren't listening to one another. And sometimes that's all you have to do. Like when people come to you with something that's going wrong in their life or they're emotional about something or they lose someone, you know, like we all experience these things. And sometimes just being there, you know, <laughs> just being there and listening to what another says is like the most nurturing thing that you can do for someone. And so I'm hoping that people will step up and, and be that, that, you know, that nurturing energy for others without even really giving that much. It's just, mm -hmm. just being there. Yeah. Being there and being open to it and accessible. And like you say, the people close to you, your tribe, your clan, not just mm. the people that you came from physically, but the people that either by circumstance or choice, 
you have collected together to make your own little tribe, you know, and taking care of each other. So it'll, it'll be, it, it is a really interesting, um, nodal opposition. And I know when we went through it last time in 2010, I think it was 20, 2009 through 2011 or something. Um, it was, you know, the, the signs were opposite. We had cancer on the South node and Capricorn on the North. So really there was a lot of a need I found among people to let go of the fear of not being taken care of. Mm. with the cancer on the south node. It's like, or the extreme clannishness that we had seen since, say, you know, 9-11. And to let go of some of that and reach out into the world and try to make a difference on a community level, Mm. societal level. But it was a scary time because it was right after the economy had collapsed and people were truly suffering. They were having a hard time. So I think it made sense that we had a North Node then in Capricorn, which is a rebuilding energy. We needed to rebuild. And it was important for people to get out of their own little clan and get out there and make a contribution to that Mm. and try to rebuild society. I don't know how great a job of that we've done, but we'll find out in the next year and a half, I think. Right? Because that's that's a good point. Yeah. When we're now we're reversed, we kind of get a little taste of the other side, the flip of that, literally. Um, And I was telling you earlier how I'd I'd watched an excellent, if anybody is a member of uh, ESAR, um, which is an astrological organization, um, they have star clubs each month where they do free webinars if you're a part of a member, uh, if you're part of the membership. Anyways, I watched an excellent one on the Cancer Capricorn uh, nodal access that's going to be happening here by Sol uh, Jonasson, I think is her name. She's in Nor- Norway. But she had a great point uh, just speaking from her own experience of being Norwegian and how, it, how different it is from the, the American experience. Because even though they do have all those systems there and they, they do still work on, you know, capitalist types of society, because I think a lot of that, what's going to be honed in here is our systems, our bureaucracy and the extreme capitalism that's going on here. Um, Pluto there for sure. Yes, exactly. And so, but she said... That they were able, because it's all about a balance with the the access, right? It's not like one side is going to win out or the other. It's you you have to balance the two. And she said that, you know, her country clearly has a little more balance in that that arena because if if you get sick, someone's going to take care of you. They have systems in place that will take care of you. You can't pay your bills. They have systems in place that are going to pay the bills for you. There's not going to be a homeless situation, you know, and granted you can skate through life if you want to like she's like oh well you know you could be paid for but i don't think anybody ends up doing that because what is in turn happens through those systems is that the collective of the nation has a sense of safety and security that you know people like us in the u.s don't necessarily have and i think maybe that will be another factor kind of coming up during this conjunction or especially with the Jupiter square Neptune uh, and Saturn sextiling that because Neptune does represent, can represent, especially in Pisces, our, um, uh, you know, the lesser, I guess you could say, which we are finding ourselves as lesser in the America these days. It was the people who were disenfranchised or, um, or poor or unhealthy or undesirable in some way. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, have, yeah I think that's a really good point, the Saturn sex out, because I tend to ignore, <laughs> I tend to 
tend to ignore the softer aspects because it's not generally why people come to me for readings. Um, so I'm tending to focus on the catastrophic aspects that are going on. But yeah, that's a really good possibility. And the sex style always being one that is an opportunity that's offered to us, but we have to make some effort. Yes. Uh, to make that work. So maybe, hopefully we will see that in our government moving forward. I'm not terribly optimistic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a possibility with a the sextile there. It, it, there is. Voice of reason that can come in and be helpful. Um, problems like that are huge. They're systemic. They're societal. And it's very, you can't come up with easy solutions to them. And not something that happens overnight. So Probably most likely we're never going to be Norway. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a different beast but, completely. Yeah, but very different. But I think it's always worthwhile to look at how other people do it and see what's working and what isn't. And I always think with something like that, and, and more and more there's discussion, at least in this country, of like a, a minimum wage, like a minimum, uh, what do you call it? Um, there's a phrase for it. Where basically you get a, a certain stipend just to you know, live on. Live, yeah, yeah. And beyond that, then you have the security that you don't have to make all your decisions around employment about keeping, you know, body and soul together and hang your insurance and all of that. It's more, it opens up more opportunity for people who are innovators and people who are creative um, to come up with, to really put their energy in that direction. But, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating for it one, one way or another, but I think it's an interesting idea. And it's an interesting thing that you hear floated because, you know, the one thing I'm looking at with the Saturn Pluto, with the South node and all this energy in Capricorn, especially where it lies in the U S chart is to say, I'm not quite sure you know, although um, unemployment is, is very low at the moment, I'm not sure if a lot of people are not underemployed and not really making a living wage, um, which seems to be likely. But you kind of look at it going forward and the advances that technology is making and so quickly and you're going, well, where are the jobs going to come from in the future? There will come a time when there simply isn't the need for people to do the kind of work that we've been doing. Yeah. So these are the kinds of things I think that are going to be interesting as we see Saturn and Pluto with the South Node interacting with Pluto in the U.S. chart and opposing, you know, all of the cancer stuff in our chart and saying, these are really big questions we're going to have to address. And I think the the Jupiter-Neptune issue, we're talking about the um, Saturn with Neptune too, will lead to a lot of interesting discussions, hopefully. Yes. Well, because that's where we're at. And, you know, one of the big things that's, currently happening as far as outer planets are concerned is, you know, Uranus will be moving back into Taurus. And this is kind of the issue that I was talking uh, several months ago, actually, with uh, one of our members of SDAS, Christopher uh, Roberts. Christopher Wild? Taylor. Huh? I'm, I'm thinking of Moody the Pooh. Um, Christopher Taylor. Well, we were talking about Uranus and Taurus on a podcast episode and how, you know, the reality of automation um, and how jobs are just not, we just don't need them in the same way we used to. Like it's, they will fall away just based on technological advances and AI and things along those lines. And that's where we're going to have to reappropriate how money is made, where human resources and energy is put into. Um, and that's that issue coming down the line with like seven years to work on that basically. Um, 
So, so there is that, but an, an example of that, and maybe we can kind of segue into actually the eclipses that are going to be take place um, this year. Is I saw an I saw an article the other day about um, an Amtrak about Amtrak and up in Riverside there's a huge call center and they service most of Amtrak and I used to work at a, a place called Day Tripper Tours where we booked se- uh, trips for seniors all along Southern California. Anyways, we worked with Amtrak a lot, so we developed relationships there. Well, it turns out that they um, they basically told their employees I think it was last week um, at at a meeting that they are moving to Philadelphia. And, you know, people have been there for decades. They're moving to Philadelphia and you can either take a $10,000, you know, severance package, no insurance, any medical or anything like that, or we'll pay you $15,000 to relocate to Philadelphia. Um, And it's going to take, basically the changeover is going to take place at the time of the lunar eclipse. Um, so it's initiated here with this solar one we'll talk about. It's going to- oh, that was fast. Yeah, it, well, and exactly. And that's the thing. It's super fast. There's one of those portal, portal things that we're talking about here. Um, and it really represents the idea of Capricorn and that nodal access, because here are the powers that be that you've dedicated all your time and energy into over the years and all the sudden, you know, there's no account of what the people need in that moment. It's only that we are going over here for whatever X reason. We'll give you a small amount of money, no matter how much you work for us and, you know, make a decision fast. <laughs> fast. Wow. That's harsh. You know, it's interesting you say that without getting off on too much of a tangent, but Johnny and I took Amtrak, um, when we were, went out of the country recently and we took Amtrak from San Diego to LA and took the shuttle over to LAX, which is a really nice way to go. But the thing we noticed on the way back were little signs of um, neglect of the train. There was a, a lack of professionalism with some of the staff on the train, which I had never seen before because I've been a big Amtrak user. And I remember, Johnny was really upset about it. And I remember saying, yeah, that starts at the top. There's something fundam- There's something fundamentally going on. And Amtrak's been struggling for years. But yeah, what you say is, you know, actually, I, I think if we look at the solar eclipse on January 5th, mm-hmm. um, with the sun and the moon and Saturn all together, and the sun and the moon not too far from Pluto. So this is like, this epitomizes all of these Saturn, Pluto, nodal issues that we've been talking about. And um, there's not, that chart also has Mars, you know, newly in, um, in Aries and square Mercury. So we might hear not just about transportation companies, but perhaps even transportation issues, you know, big, you know, calamities of some sort. We hope not, but, you know, it would be really common to see with Mercury, Mars in the eclipse chart. But yeah, I mean, this is really, this kicks off the year and brings together all of these major themes, which is to say, okay, you know, the south node is in Capricorn, it's very close to Pluto um, in this eclipse chart. And it says, this is where we're, we're on the brink of deciding about the kind of society we want to be. Do mm. we want to be the good father or the scary father, you know, or the neglectful father or the absent father? So, you know, I think that is one example, the story that you tell of being, you know, pretty rough, you know, pretty harsh in that way that we often associate with Capricorn or with Saturn or with Pluto um, in that sign. 
So yeah, we were talking before we started uh, the podcast about the number of people we've seen passing away in the latter part of 2018. And that it seems to be, you know, I think these eclipse times particularly provide these little entryways, these little portals into the other world. And people decide to slip away at that time. And, you know, most likely also being born at that time, just sort of a revolving door of souls. So, but I think it happens on a mundane level as well, where it's, it's like people that thought they belonged in a particular place or to a particular organization or a community suddenly are faced with having just having that pulled away. Mm. Um, so I think that that eclipse is a, <laughs> is a pretty tough one, you know, and it's, um, it's a partial eclipse, but, but I find that it doesn't as much matter whether an eclipse is total or partial or whether you can see it where you are. A lot of people do feel that's really important, but I think in the work that I've done with eclipses and looking at them in people's lives, that that seems to be less important. And what's important is mostly where does your chart fit in with this eclipse chart? So if you have a lot of stuff, you know, anywhere, basically Capricorn or the cardinal signs, this is an important eclipse. Mm. Really, it it points to something fundamental about the year. I think if people go back to 2009 through 2011, when we had, you know, eclipses um, around this point, it could be really instructive and to look at where that point, the, the eclipse points like 15 Capricorn and just look where that falls in your chart because eclipses are always about change yeah. and they're often a choice is presented to you much like it was the, the Amtrak people mm-hmm. you can do this unacceptable thing or this unacceptable thing that you can't keep doing what you were doing the way you were doing it. Yeah. That's a, yes. And that's, that's, that's the reality. Yeah, that is, it's like, that's the portal. That's like the, the back and forth, like the door is open. You right. can't, you know, you'll be pushed through it no matter what. You can, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's in our best interest with eclipses always to be a little bit aware of that and to try to be more proactive about it and make the choice. Now, the eclipse that we have on January 20th is, is actually the last in the Leo Aquarius mm-hmm. eclipses that we've had. So it's kind of bringing all of that stuff full circle and saying, okay, you know, we're, we're finishing up with this particular axis of change, which was more along the lines of, are you just going to be one of the crowd? Are you going to stand up for what you believe and what's important to you, the Leo experience? So that is our final hurrah there. And, it, and, and the lunar eclipse point is square, our friend Uranus. Mm-hmm. So you take eclipses, which are already an energy of change and decision, and you introduce Uranus into the mix, and we can say, yes, change is coming, but you saw it coming. Yeah. The reason I say that is because this is the end of the nodal axis in Aquarius and Leo. None of this stuff is a surprise. Uranus has already been in late Aries. You knew this was coming. So although it feels like a big surprise in some ways, and there are legitimate surprises, someone close to you could drop dead or something, clearly that's a surprise. But even in those instances, you can say, okay, but this is a person that never treated their body very well, or they drive like a maniac or whatever it was. So there are not a whole lot of surprises usually. That eclipse is nice for relationship because Venus and Jupiter are together in trying Mars. 
Mm. And lunar eclipses are always really pivotal for relationships. Yes. Because the sun and moon are opposed. So I think that that is a bright spot, you know, that things are changing, but there is this nice silver lining to it, which is it can be helpful to at least one and probably more relationships with people close to you. Mm. That would be my guess. That's yeah, it's, it's definitely going problem. to, yes, no, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely rolling with that. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because, and I really like what you say about, you know, it, it's not necessarily new news, especially if it's mm-hmm. happening uh, probably within partnership or within yourself, you know, because a lot of times what it happens on outside of us, especially if we initiate it, it, you know, it, there's something taking place internally before any of that happens. That's so. Yeah. I mean, it does work in two different ways. And I think it's interesting to look at the interplay in your chart between transits and secondary progressions, because I think transits do show the external influence and the secondaries will show what in you has precipitated Mm -hmm. it or what in you is responding to the external cues. So I think it can be interesting because it can work both ways. And sometimes you have the feeling before you have the outer manifestation, you help create the outer manifestation. Or sometimes something comes from the outside and precipitates an emotional response in you. So it's kind of fun to look at both and see what's happening. But that's a, those are a couple of really dynamic eclipses that we have coming up. And they're coming up, yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, the solar eclipse happens right on my moon. So I'm like, (laughs) woo, party. Um, Good way. Yes. No, I'm, I'm. I'm always looking forward to things, even if they seem can seem somewhat challenging on the outside because yeah, I don't know, I mean, life would be boring otherwise. Well, it would. And I mean, look at 2000. I'm trying to think when we had exactly one close to that. I feel like it was 2010 that we had one very close to that point. So, you know, again, there's nothing new under the sun. And once you get to the, once you get past your first Saturn return, there mm-hmm. are very few things that you haven't experienced in some variation. Yes. <laughs> you can look back and say, oh yeah, 2009 through 2011, 2001, and, and back, you know, every nine and a half years or something, you can say, hmm, that's the last time your moon was getting this kind of hit. And we even had one, I think, in 2000. 17 or something that was close to this point. And I think, oh, last, I, think I think you're right about that. I, yeah. I vaguely remember, but don't have the tools in front of me. Well, what's interesting is the very last eclipse we'll have in this axis is in um, the middle of 2020 at 13 degrees of cap. So it's very close to this. Oh, so this is an important one because it's saying, okay, this is this this is the starting gun, <laughs> and this really describes your project for the next um, you know year or so, and then you will finish it up as we're going into the middle of 2020. So you've got like a year and a half to work on this moon issue, and you, I mean you would know that anyway because Saturn and Pluto have been dancing with the moon exactly. And well, and it's interesting with this. Uh solar eclipse in particular for January 5th is that the sun is literally pretty much the midpoint of Saturn and Pluto in that chart. Mm -hmm. So like you said earlier, I think that this on a personal level and a mundane level, this eclipse is going to be kind of a, like a, (laughs) like it's a football, you know, like the, the kicker, the, uh, the kickoff, the kickoff. (laughs) Uh, 
to wow. some extent to all what's going to take place there. Now, what I think is interesting, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on this, is the fact that we're having five full moons in a row at zero degrees of a sign. Mm -hmm. And particularly the one that just happened on our solstice with that full moon in Cancer, Mm -hmm. but also on our Aries ingress on March 20th, we are also going to have a full moon at zero degrees Libra. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Like the fact that we're on these critical degrees or this very start of an energy of a sign and how we keep apexing like repeatedly. I've never seen anything like this. So I I don't know. I can't say that I've tracked it. I mean, what people will say about zero degrees is it talks about a new energy, something that's not entirely defined or formed. The full moon is about reflection and seeing where you are. Hmm. And getting the full picture. It's like you've, you've hiked to the top of a high mountain and now you can see everything. You can see where you've been and where you're going and everything it took you to get there and everything it will take to get down the mountain. So the zero degree just says your view is not quite as informed as it might ordinarily be at the full moon. So this has implications for things like relationships. I do think the lunar eclipse on January 20th is nice for a relationship. That's mostly because of the interplay with Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. Now, whether these will end up being long-term relationships for people, we don't know because the sun and the moon, which are more rulers of long-term relationship and general compatibility, are at the zero degrees. Yeah. It's difficult to tell. There's certainly passion there with Venus, Mars. And that can be the entryway. You know, so maybe we'll see that, you know, as, as these full moons unfold, you know, looking at the rest of the charts and saying, oh, what else is happening there? Mm-hmm. I know we have some eclipses in July that were a little bit crazy, but I don't think they are around that zero degree mark. No, everything, everything's moved on by then. I think, uh, yeah, so we have, we have July 2nd, we will have a uh, total solar eclipse at 10 degrees of Cancer. Yeah, that one's a monster. That is a monster. And it's interesting. Know, July 16th is the <laughs> one that's really crazy. Yeah, the, the lunar eclipse. And what, are, what do you see? And that's crazy about it, April. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to be positive because my beloved little niece is getting married like four days later. Um, so this is actually, in fact, it might, yeah, yeah, it's soon after this. So, I mean, the reason I say it's a beast is because, again, lunar eclipse, so I'm thinking relationships, among other things, mm-hmm. not just romantic relationships, but all kinds of relationships, how people get along. And you've got a very tight opposition between Venus and Saturn in that chart. And Venus, for that matter, is coming up on an opposition with Pluto as well. So that looks a little bit funky to me. And, you know, the sun is in a really tight opposition to Saturn and Pluto. So it's kind of the peak of things, I would say, where we start out in January with these eclipses we've been talking about sort of reaches full circle. Yeah. In July. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, just in kind of full moon terminology anyways, it's by the time we hit the full moon of the sign, we are kind of apexing an energy that's been going on for quite some time since it kind of seeded in that sign. But I think it'll be kind of super juiced <laughs> with the, because these are eclipses that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting too with that, the, the new moon eclipse at 10 degrees, I found it, you know, cause I like to look at charts of the uh, countries um, and 10 degrees Capricorn is actually the sun for uh, United Kingdom. 
And I believe that old uh, Elizabeth is rather a Capricorn. She's got some strong Capricorn going on. I think her ascendant's near that Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And so, you know, she's not very young. (laughs) Um, And it will be a while. She's going to live forever. But I know, right? Nobody does. And and that'll be interesting to see. That's That's a good insight, actually. And eclipses were always... And especially with that family, they're a very eclipse-sensitive yeah. family. You see it really prominent in the royal family. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, of course, it's very close to the U.S. sun uh, in the Sibley chart because it's yes. just two days before our birthday. So um, that's an interesting connection that we yeah. share with our friends across the pond. Well, and just in general, because of like when a lot of these bigger nations like ourselves or the, you know, these kind of world leader nations just have cardinal signs in their charts. Like that's because that's kind of part of the energy, you know, that (laughs) initiated leadership force. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, anything that has that cardinal energy, kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, here, these are, those are going to be tested in a big way um, at different times, personally and mundane wise in the world. I agree. And then we have a, we get a, a, a little fun eclipse on Christmas. That you, yeah. <laughs> well, we have one back in, um, one that tied in with this series that was on actually, uh, was at zero degrees or at 29 degrees of Gemini, I think, on the, uh, the day of the solstice. Back in, I think it was 2010 or something. And it was, uh, I think this one sort of ties back to that. What's nice about that eclipse um, is the solar eclipse point is conjunct Jupiter. So by then Jupiter has gone into Capricorn. They're all sitting nestled there together very happily. And that is at least a little more positive um, sign. Uh, Saturn and Pluto are getting very close to the conjunction and sort of, you know, sitting off towards the end of the sign. But Sun, Moon, Jupiter together. That sort of says if we do our work well, that we started here in January, mm-hmm. this is where the reward becomes. And, and even, you know, if I cast the chart for San Diego, where I live, you see a shift of all those plans. And it, depending on where you live, it's shifting from one house to the house before it in this. Um, chart and for san diego it's nice and all that stuff moves from the sixth house at the beginning of the year to the fifth house at the end of the year Mm. so it says yeah work hard you will get your your happiness your reward at the end of the year so it would be interesting for people to cast that chart for the place where they live and say oh where's the emphasis you know just for the place where Mm. i am Mm. um, of how that shifts so it definitely is a big year for eclipses and it you know these eclipses in the the water and earth signs really hit, hit us where we live. And, um, you know, if, if you have them in the, the fire and air signs, it's not that we don't feel them, but, or experience them rather. But I think there is something particularly emotionally um, trying with eclipses in the water and earth signs. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because air and fire, you know, these, these are not necessarily tangible things where, you know, water and earth, uh, water's, you know, the emotional um, realm there, uh, which can feel very tangible at times. It's going to be a lot of water. Um, but, you know, those are, and then we have 
earth, which is bringing change you can physically see. And, you know, mm-hmm. things are disrupted on, in that tangible realm, which then can disrupt yourself emotionally. And so I get that why it would be a bit harder to have eclipses, especially if they really interact with your chart uh, in air or, I'm sorry, in water and earth signs. Yeah. And it's true, even if you have, you know, I mean, I have an air sign moon, um, which I used to get aggravated early on in astrology, reading about it and people implying I had no feelings. It's like, well, no, this is how I process those feelings. Mm-hmm. This is what I do with the feelings. But what's difficult with nodes and eclipses in water signs is it's much harder to gain that um, gain that distance that the the air signs in particular need to process those feelings. Mm. So we're all just kind of like right there in it and kind of drowning in the energy. Tell me what you think about the Jupiter square Neptune because I know you've been looking at this a lot for an event that we're doing at SDAS. So what are your thoughts about that one? Well, uh, with it's interesting. I have, I have mixed thoughts about it uh, only because, I mean, I have thoughts about it on the, on the world realm. I have thoughts about it on more of a local realm, like here in San Diego, um, just because I think about Jupiter, especially squaring uh, Neptune to go back to kind of what I was talking about earlier when I brought that up with Saturn sextiling there uh, and dealing with that kind of Neptune energy of people that have uh, less than, you know, the more, um, the people that are less advantaged. And we are finding ourselves more and more that there's a larger amount of people that are less advantaged. And, and this, that's part of kind of the capitalistic society that we live in and what we've created up until this point. And I think that because Jupiter is always going to be pushing us forward for progress, whatever that looks like. We're looking for progress, growth, expanding what the known is so that we can just move along in the story, basically. Um, And so I think that Jupiter is going to be putting pressure on these ty- these areas. And that's where that Saturn sextile is going to come in. Because like we were saying earlier, you, you're like, oh, these sextiles, you know, I'm looking at where the pressure is. But the sextile, there is that opportunity to deal with these things and start to get kind of legislation in place or at least inter- interact with that more. And I think that's going to be a really strong point that uh, candidates will be coming out with as we get, you know, closer to the elections that we'll have in 2020 here. Um, but like with any sextile, it's an opportunity, but it's an opportunity. It doesn't mean, you know, the door opens, but you don't necessarily walk through it. And I think that is the test of Capricorn um, and all this energy that's coming up. So are you going to walk through the door? Are you going to acknowledge what is clearly needed? Uh, are you going to be generous? Are you going to be giving, which is, is Jupiter in general, but Jupiter in Sagittarius, you know, that's ramping that up even more. And so I think that a lot of these, you know, the lawmakers, you know, because we're here too in the courts, you know, what, what side are you on? You're going to be feeling the pressure no matter what, but it's up to you to take that opportunity to do the hard work necessary or the reorganization of um, our structures because Saturn is that structure. And Neptune, you know, Neptune is a, a tricky little beast <laughs> because it's, it's, it, well, it's interesting because you can't quite put your finger on it. You know, it's, it's hard to describe and there's can be kind of a nebulousness to it, which is funny because there was actually a candidate or a, a lawmaker recently that 
had to look up the word nebulous. It, it ended up on like, uh, it became all the rage to like, what does nebulous mean? Like there, it was funny. I'll have to go back and like check that out later because it was pretty funny. How'd you do on your SATs? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it was interesting. I looked back to, um, to, um, 1974 when we had Jupiter square, square Neptune and the signs who were flipped. So we had Jupiter in Pisces and Neptune in Sag. Mm. And that was an interesting year. Well, I'm going to have to roll on back there. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was interesting about that year was, uh, first and foremost in our country, was that was when Watergate really exploded and Nixon resigned. Um, and it was also, I mean, just in, in culture, it was a hugely influential year, especially in film, which makes sense with Jupiter, you know, with Sag implicated and, and Jupiter, the storyteller and Neptune being on film. Um, we had, um, I was just watching, re-watching Chinatown the other night, which came out that year, all about intrigue in the, in the Los Angeles world of water, um, you know, a very Neptunian thing. Godfather 2, you know, the king of all sequels, Blazing Saddles, The Exorcist. And we had it on TV. Everybody was watching Kung Fu. I mean, this is before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge. You know, and David Carradine makes this huge splash as this half Chinese priest who's basically wandering around the old West of the U.S. looking for his brother. And it really, it, it sort of capitalized on, on the popularity of the Bruce Lee Kung Fu movies mm. and stuff um, after he, I think he died the year before. And so we have this mainstream TV show that was, a really big hit and really mainstreaming, um, um, you know, Confucius and, um, and, and Eastern philosophies and Kung Fu and all that. So it's really interesting to me. It really speaks of that combination of Jupiter and Neptune. And even with, even with Nixon resigning, which was huge, was the exposure. I went back to my transits book trying to think what in the hell I would have written about that combination and I said something about well this is when the secrets come out so you can heal them mm. and certainly there was an opportunity there I mean stuff was exposed whether it was healed is open to debate mm-hmm. um but it was it was it was a huge turning point when I looked back to the um the conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune I might have told you this before personally was like within days of Jupiter and Neptune coming together in early Sag on my ascendant, we moved from Indiana to California. So it can be a really powerful combination. I think always with these squares or these big outer planet transits, look at the conception point, look at the conjunction between the two and figure out what that happened. And this one happened in late Aquarius. Um, and when was it? It was in from mid 2000s, 2006, seven. Yeah, way too many notes. <laughs> but yeah, I figure it must have been about three years ago. Yeah. Because um, Sedge has a 12 year cycle. Well, I mean, I really like that, especially like looking at it as, you know, com- coming back to, to that point in time and seeing. Uh, just the amazing film that comes out. I have a feeling fantasy film, you know, probably see some nice uh, kind of like 
otherworldly or maybe um, much like the Bruce Lee series, uh, tabbing us into this to new cultural realms, like introducing that. And I think that actually is a part of what I'm thinking with Jupiter and Neptune as well, because apparently I have a very political mind. It's all those ninth house planets, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm noticing the second that uh, Jupiter went into Sagittarius. Uh, the the caravan became all all the rage and there's an issue with a lot of borders and a lot of countries mm-hmm. and saturn being that border mm-hmm. also the wanting to put up a wall for the border you know like a border things along those lines even though our infrastructures are failing and we need to nurture that more than that thing that's another cancer capricorn type of thing mm-hmm. but i think with jupiter in uh, sagittarius cuz once again we're pushing towards growth no matter what that looks like and sagittarius is cultured it 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 sees all the people you know um it's interested in all the people and their customs and all that stuff and so i think that kind of that pushing through of growth and that that's being not forced on us, but kind of, there's a force that's this year because of that Saturn Pluto. We are having to integrate more cultural yes. culture in, in the world sphere. Um, and we can't be this closed off, uh, you know, partitions that and we it's would not like. just here because I was just in New Zealand for two weeks. It's exactly the same issue. Mm. And there, there's been an enormous influx of of Asian transplants and, um, you know, including from India. It was noticeably a huge increase in the last time we'd been over there seven years ago. And the cultural tensions are there as well. And it's not necessarily that you have blatant, you know, racism or anything. It's more that New Zealand was always a very, a very gentle, courteous kind of place. And I think a lot of the reason it was was it was very homogenous culturally. Mm. And this has really put a strain on that. And you're noticing very subtle changes in people's attitudes and the way they interact with you just, you know, kind of on a casual level. I found it really interesting. And mind you, I love New Zealand. The people were lovely to us, but it's just, I could tell a subtle change. And it's the kind of thing we, we see here after every mass, um, you know, immigration to the country. Um, so, yeah, it's happening everywhere. <laughs> it is happening everywhere. And that's issues are basically happening everywhere. Yes. We all have the same transits. I know. So we're all we're all in it here. And, you know, Jupiter, Jupiter's pushing us there. But Saturn. OK, so Jupiter is pushing us there. Right. Yeah. Saturn, what, what is it like to do? It likes to conserve. It likes tradition. It likes what is, you know, it likes that. Like, what about my resources? Yeah. yeah. And so that's where I think part of that Neptune action and the fact that those two planets are working together with that same energy, um, that both of those, even though they're in aversion to each other, you know, Jupiter and Saturn can't see each other right now. There is that blind spot, but they're working through Neptune and it can be confusing. It can be messy, but it's going to happen and it's going to happen in a way that you might not even be aware of it. It's like a slow infiltration <laughs> of, of, you know, this type well, of issue. Even looking at the film stuff from 1974, you can see that what started happening in the semis that was very exciting in film was you started to see ordinary people yes. on screen. And it wasn't that beautiful, gauzy um, uh, sort of energy that you got previous, you know, to that. Everything was not beautiful. Everyone was not perfect. Uh, everyone was not conventionally gorgeous, you know? 
And so you start to see a lot more of that represented in media. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to see how we could be much more representative in media now, you know, know. (laughs) really first wide open, but you know, the, the, the world has a way of surprising us. It certainly does. And I think that's an excellent point. (laughs) Now, I, okay, so April and I could probably talk forever, but there's one more topic I wanted to talk about, and it really does tie into kind of what we were saying with the eclipses this year and that uh, nodal axis in Cancer and Capricorn. Um, and that's the fact uh, with our retrogrades this year, of course, all the planets, Jupiter and out, will be doing their retrograde dance as they do uh, yearly. We won't have Mars retrograde this year. We will not have Venus oh. retrograde. I know. <laughs> Everybody, you know, put your hands in the air. However, we do have our usual Mercury uh, retrogrades happening. Um, In particular, we have three. But what's of notice is that we're switching from the fire trigon to the water. So how... That was was a really... um that was really astute of you because I hadn't paid attention to that or even noticed it. But I think that probably will be interesting. How long have they been in fire? How long does that cycle last? That was all that was all last year and then I think half uh, or like partial of 2016 um, where the fire was kind of looking at more of that passion or inspi- inspiration you know things along those lines and now these water uh, retrogrades are going to be looking at you know your emotional tone and what kind of quality of life you live and it's really going to be paired I think with these uh, this nodal axis going on. And as we're triggered with these types of super emotional content, um, and just to kind of list it off so people know what's going on, we're going to have Mercury retrograde from March 5th to March 28th. And that'll be from 29 degrees Pisces to 16 degrees Pisces. We'll have it July 7th through the 31st. Damn, I got another Mercury retrograde in my chart. Uh, And that will actually start at four degrees Leo, but it will retrograde back to 23 degrees Cancer. Which is interesting because we did you did talk about a uh, eclipse that is uh, at that same spot, yeah. um, and then October thirty first on Halloween we station uh, through November twentieth, and that will be from twenty seven degrees Scorpio to eleven degrees Scorpio. So I think that's going to be a considerable difference in our Mercury retrograde experience this year, as you know, water has us looking at those submerged type of things or where that unconscious uh, energy may come up to be dealt with, you know, what our past in some respect. I mean, do you have any thoughts on kind of Mercury retrograde and water style? (laughs) Mercury always, we always think of Mercury in terms of outward expression, of talking, of communicating, of, you know, getting our point across or whatever. And I think it's always the point of Mercury retrograde to to pull that stuff back and look within more. But I think um, Mercury in water signs going retrograde seems to me a much better opportunity for exploring nonverbal means of communication and perception. So it's like honoring more your instincts about things, Mm. you know, which I hesitate to say because I think there's been an awful lot of that in our culture of like, oh, I don't have to really think it through. I'll just go with my gut. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to encourage that, but, but I think what's also happening is this may be bringing up some of the stuff we dealt with with the Venus retrograde. 
this last year, which was in Scorpio and trying Neptune and doing lots of things. So it's covering that similar kind of energy of really going deep and, and um, dealing with emotional stuff that maybe we've needed to deal with for a long time. So I don't know, the Mercury in the water signs to me, it's just that would be off the top of my head. The thing I would say about it is trust your instinct, you know, do your research, do your homework. But in the end, you have to honor what your instincts are telling you about things. And that doesn't always come from a a verbal place or, you know, from words. It comes from lots of different things. It's the planet of perception, you know. So it's the things that we see and that we notice and have, you know, be guided by our instincts a little bit more, I would think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would think so. Or just uh, the instinctual self or kind of, you know, that emotional tone you hold or you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling icky or if you're feeling bad, you know, like in, sometimes you can't always put your finger on what that is. You just know, I don't feel good. Sometimes or this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Mercury in a water sign? I don't. We're, we share it in Leo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, that's a good point. Like you were saying about Mercury being that perception and Mercury is a more, when it's functioning very well, it's looking at more of a logical reason oriented um, perspective. And when you put water in there, you know, that is not reason or logic. <laughs> that is just how we feel in the moment. Um, and so, I, you know, so it's yeah. like, there's lots of different ways to perceive reality and truth. Yeah. And this is one of them, you know? So it's like, if we want to look at the, at the elements and say each of them is very instructive in mm. terms of what we accomplish on a communicative, the way we communicate with the world. Yeah. There's four distinct ways to do it. And this is an opportunity to do one that may not be our, our native language, yours and mine, coming from a Mercury and a fire sign place. Yeah. We were probably a little more comfortable with the end of last year, but definitely for our friends with Mercury and uh, water signs. And I feel for them ever dealing with me because I just don't get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I try not to be hurtful, but you know, you just don't always work on that level. So yeah, maybe um, being conscious that maybe people will be a little more sensitive to the mm. things that you say or write. That's a great, yes, that I would take that one to the bank. <laughs> Put that in your pocket for sure. Because we will be more, that's the thing, sensitivity is going to be up and especially around the time of the stations because I always think that that's what's triggering the reprocessing of the Mercury retrograde anyway. So we can probably look at the stations uh, uh Maybe not that Leo one, but uh, definitely the Pisces and the Scorpio. Uh, I think the Leo right. one's big though because it comes so close to those. You're years. right. You're right, and, and that's really fun. And it, it's not in Leo very long; just a couple, three days, and then it will have backed into well, it's going a little slow. So it's four or five days, you know, backs into Cancer. So I think it's still that's a big one too. Yeah. So that will be, look out for those days for sure. And uh, definitely keep a dream journal because I think now with, with those Mercury retrogrades in water, I think, especially if we're not necessarily able to access the work or understand on a conscious level, that's going to be taking place within us um, on the more unconscious realm. And so if I definitely say this would be a great year to dream journal, especially with Jupiter squaring Neptune. Neptune, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and really, you know it's always key to look at the houses that are ruled by the water signs in your chart because it's not like we're going to be emotional about everything. No, there's going to be pinpoint areas of your life that are going to 
They'll be a little more emotionally reactive. Exactly. Or take things to heart in a way that you always have to remember with communication that there is, you you know, if you're going to take offense to something, you may choose to take offense where none was intended, Mm. you know, and you, you just have to, you just have to be a little bit, you have to allow for the idea that sometimes people don't mean you harm, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's an important thing to try to keep in mind. I think as these mercury retrogrades are happening in water science too, which is try to avail yourself of whatever conscious tools you have to get a little bit of standing back and a little bit of perspective on it. So you don't get so sunk into the watery abyss where you're like, I'm just hurt and they hurt my feelings and you lose friendships. Well, and then you can drown, you know, you can drown in the feeling and we don't want that. (laughs) It's like work that that's such a great time maybe to work on the Jupiter Neptune projects, the storytelling, yes, you know, artistry that, you know, is available to us this year and whatever it is that you do, we're all telling a story with our lives. Mm. You know, astrologers tell stories to people about their lives. You know, there are writers and painters and musicians who are all telling the story of the world. So I think it's a wonderful year for that. It does seem to to go along with, as you say, the North Node in Cancer and the Neptune in Pisces. Yeah, we're going to almost need the escape route <laughs> to some extent yeah. for that Neptune in Pisces. Um, now, I don't think I, I mentioned this, but it is worth noting, especially since we're wrapping up here with retrogrades, is the fact that we are going to be retrograde free with all planets. Like all planets are going to be moving direct um, starting January 6th when Uranus goes direct um, until April 10th is when Jupiter uh, stations retrograde. So there are some you know solid months here where all the planets are moving forward here. Um, yeah. And, and getting things done, I'm assuming. Like, I mean, do you have any thought, real quick thoughts on when everything's going forward? <laughs> I'm always a naysayer. So I'm like, okay, if everyone is saying, yeah, that's a great time to just move forward and do everything, the contrarian in me has to say, well, is it though? Because <laughs> it's a great thing because the natural order of things is for some things to be retrograde. It's like a, it's mm. like a system of checks and balances in our lives sometimes we have to be having a little bit of time for reflection, for going back and redoing, for rethinking, for, for that the breaks are on a little bit with retrogrades, planets and retrograde. And also, they're the opportunity to go within ourselves to figure out what we think about things, what we want, what's mm. our internal messaging. So maybe on an external level, it's, it does sound like a pretty good time to get things done without a lot of, um, a lot of blocks. And if there are things that you have really been struggling last year with all the retrogrades. I know. I feel like we've already been to the retrograde portion. (laughs) Unless you're dying to get out, that is a really good time probably to tackle that. It's like if there are, you know, products you've been wanting to put together or or a different kind of digital offerings, there's a great time probably to do that. I would agree with you. Um, But the contrarian in me goes, but but what about, what about... (laughs) <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. And there's no. Well, it'll be interesting to take note and just be aware of it, regardless of what we do, you know, what's going on around us. What does the overall energy show? And I think uh, the final thing I will say about all this is the fact that unless, 
other than the personal planets for the most part when they go through these signs. We don't have too much of an air influence this year. We're kind of stacking up in water, earth, and fire. Um, right. So right. just keep that in, <laughs> in mind when we are mulling things over. You know, there's not that... Uh, I guess we have to look for Mars, Venus, and Mars and air signs. Like. Yes, exactly. So we're going to get these air pockets, I guess is what you... Oh, <laughs> you get these air pockets um, where we can get this perspective and try things on in a more mental space uh, rather than just being fired up, ready to go and, <laughs> you know... Oh, yeah, full speed ahead. Yes. So yeah. that is what oh, I will Very say. good point. Very good point. Well, I think we did a nice little wrap up of what's going on here. I think, what do you think? Yes. So now before we leave here, uh, remind people once again, you know, where, where you're living on the internet. Do you have any things coming up, uh, workshops, lectures? What do I have going on? I had such a hectic year that I've left things uh, intentionally kind of light. Yeah. 2019. Um, I, I'll be speaking in Tucson in May. I think that's the only speaking engagement that I have on the books. Um, you and I both will be on a panel in January at San Diego Astrological Society. Yes. I don't know if this comes out before that. It does. Um, <laughs> what is it, January 10th or something? It, January 10th, uh, we will be. And for those of you who don't know, because I know there are a lot of San Diego listeners here, or at least relatively close, uh, April and I are part of an organization called San Diego Astrological Society. She is our president, and I am the newly appointed vice president. And so <laughs> we have, yes, uh, oh, it is January 11th. Uh, we'll be uh, at the Joyce Beers Center, uh, 7th. 30. Do we do pre-class? We have a workshop the next day. Yes, we have a workshop the next day. So we're going to be basically talking about astrology of 2019 there with little mini lectures, but we'll be hosting a workshop the following day on the 12th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the same place, Joyce Spears in uh, Mm -hmm. Hillcrest. And we're going to help people, you know, work through some of these issues in their own charts. And it's, uh, what did we agree? It's like $15 for members, right? Yeah, and twenty five for non members, so it's a great opportunity to become a member. Yeah, twenty five dollars. So, I mean, those are the big things, and I'm, you know, I'm doing my weekly, you know, planetary highlights things. And this year, I'll be doing more classes because this year I didn't really get a chance to do a lot of classes. And that's really kind of it. Hey, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should leave our schedules a little free just with the nature of the year. <laughs> I'm really trying to because I'm really trying to honor that when Saturn comes up behind your natal Saturn, it's like a balsamic Saturn. Yeah. So, like this is the time to be letting go a lot of my real, my nature with Saturn and Capricorn is to be extremely directed. And very like, I start the year with my calendar and I've got a to-do list and you know, you've got a Capricorn moon. And this year I just decided, no, I need to honor that. I need to make some space for what's coming next. Yeah. I like it. It's (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Oh, it feels like a little less pressure. A little less pressure. There's a little pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of time for pressure with that Saturn Pluto for all of us. So yes, 
Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun as always. Yes. I'm so glad you were able to join me. And of course I'll have on my blog, I'll have big sky astrology. There, just waiting for you to click on it. Um, as well as, uh, links to April's books and our meeting information for SDAS for this, uh, January offering. And, you know, we'll be doing things for the whole year. So, uh, check it out, especially if you are local. Um, so now where can you find me to even get all this stuff I just said? (laughs) Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at the same uh, place, Energetic Principles. Uh, and I, you can find April there as well under Big yeah, Sky Astrology. Well, yes. Not much of a Twitter person, but I'm definitely doing those. Yes. I'm no, no Twittering, no tweeting over here. Um, <laughs> the rest is enough. Um, and so... Yes. So go on down there, check it out. And as always, I do have my Patreon subscription. If you want to join for the tarot subscription or my moon horoscopes, it's a great way to support the podcast. And you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, if you like what you hear today, spread it, you know, spread the word, get it out there. Uh, Give me a nice review on iTunes. I had a pretty crappy one recently. Oh no! (laughs) I did. Yeah, but but my I want to thank everybody, all you listeners out there that allowed me to whine and bitch about that. And you <laughs> turned around and you provided a plethora of fantastic uh, reviews for me based on that one not so nice one. Well, that, those people help us too. They help move us ahead despite themselves. Oh yes, it was it was it, it was a good experience when it was all said and done. And it, you know, those are those. For us water signs, those moments can be hard to deal with. But, you know, I grew from it. I realized how much I am appreciated in the process. And I think it all was fine. So if, <laughs> so if you want to share in that, uh, that love, you can, uh, you know, go on over to iTunes. Give me some love. <laughs> Give me some love. <laughs> um, but yes. So anyways, I'm so welcome. I'm so happy to kick off this new year, you know, 2019, especially with April here. So thank you again for joining. Oh, thank you. It really, it's been wonderful. I always love chatting with you. And if other people want to listen in, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) You can be our fly on the wall anytime. Um, So, well, hopefully we'll be back later in the year. We'll touch base on that later, but. (laughs) Good deal. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.